You know, we get the opportunity today to worship that king. Can you imagine that there are people today that are trying to make a commitment of faith based on fear? They're afraid of going to hell. So they're trying to find whatever the solution is that by the end of their lives, they don't have to go to hell. And I really feel sorry for those motivated by fear to find their faith. Because if you could ever meet the king, if you could ever walk into his presence and allow his sovereign touch to touch your life, it is motivated by love that allows you to the people uh, that he actually come from heaven to die for, not only to have access to him, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but allow you the opportunity to spend eternity with him. It's not about me missing hell. It's about me finding wherever the king is and saying, that's where I want to be. Can somebody say amen? Amen. What about this king? What makes him king? Do you realize that before thousands of years before the king ever actually stepped foot on earth, they were already talking about him? Listen to some of the psalmists. You're, you, O Lord, and are in Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatest of, and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. Do you realize if you're, you don't even maybe know the people that you are sitting next to, but you're sitting next to some people that aren't but maybe two or three rows. They may be the seat next to you. We've seen the might of that power of that king. I have seen my mom get up from a wheelchair suffering from multiple sclerosis. You have seen children healed in bedrooms. And as you walk down the hall praying over them for God to be the answer, all of a sudden some of you needed a job and that king opened up a door. Some of you needed to get rid of your guilt and your shame and that king come to where you were and had enough power to rid you from your sin. Far as the east is from the west, can somebody give a shout out to that king? The psalmist says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever and the scepter of your kingdom is, a, is the scepter of righteousness for the Lord Psalms 47 and 2 for the Lord the most high is to be feared a great king over all the earth he was strong enough to be compared to a lion and meek enough and gracious enough to be compared to a lamb see sometimes we need that lion of the tribe of Judah to come into our life and roar and let us identify with who he is when the enemy starts to tell us that he's going to take us out but how many of you need the compassion of a lamb when you realize how far you've fallen at times? When you try to do your best to make sure that you are trying to exemplify the righteousness of a king. And yet here you are making the same mistake over and over and over again. Isn't it good to have a lion and a lamb? A generous king. He was willing to give up personal titles for his people. 
talking about generosity, let me tell you a, a testimony about what happened here at VBS. Now, everybody as an adult knows that CityGate is built around our outreaches outside the walls of this building, living the gospel with both word and deed. But do you realize we're not waiting until they get to, uh, to adulthood to teach them this? Do you know that they were motivated in their offerings this week not to buy something for children's ministry, not to get a new playground piece of equipment? They were raised their offering for the children of Atlanta through Rattle. And do you know that this group of kids raised $1,500 to give away? They're taking after their king. But I want to talk to you about an encounter found in Isaiah chapter 6. Because if you could ever get into that throne room where you meet the king. And I think that sometimes we as churches today try to get by with great music. And we have it. And we try to get by with, you know, smart ways to communicate. And you, you try to polish your efforts. But I'm here to tell you, I could try to preach the best sermon that I could ever preach. And, and we could sing a song set and a worship set that is flawless. But if you don't have the king here, it ends at the last note of the song. And it will be, end with somebody saying amen at the end. But if you have the king in, in this place, if you could ever get to his presence... Don't stop at a sermon. Don't stop at a song. Push through. Let the song be an open door into his throne room. And don't stop until you know the king. Don't stop until he's touched you. Don't stop until he's spoken your name. Because one moment in the throne room of God. Come on, somebody. I want to talk to you for just about 10 minutes about a man named Isaiah. Isaiah is a man that would become a prophet. He is, at the moment of this encounter in the throne room of God, it sounds like this in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood a seraphim, each having six wings, and with two they flew, and with one they called to another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, can you imagine that you are in troubling times? The Bible just said that Isaiah was a part of a kingdom that the king had just died. Now, when you're a part of a kingdom, that's a little bit foreign to some of us that are a part of a democracy. Because in a democracy, everybody gets a vote and everybody gets a say. But in a kingdom, the king has ultimate authority. And Isaiah was living in a time where the king had died and he was a pretty good king. And he was troubled because he didn't know what was coming next. He didn't know if it would be a wicked or an evil king. He didn't know if he was going to survive. Didn't know if he was going to have to be enslaved. Didn't know if, if the kingdom was going to be overrun by a smarter or a wiser king. Everything that he knew in one day when the king died got turned upside down. And in this moment, is where he is invited through vision into the throne room of God. And he looks and sees this king sitting upon a throne. And as he looks and beholds this king, he starts to notice the things about the throne room. That there are seraphims there, created beings, angelic beings of God that are literally crying out the holiness of God. But in that moment, he looks upon the throne and says, I saw a king high and lifted up. 
there may have been troubling times where I was living, but where he was, he seemed to be at perfect peace and had authority to be in perfect control. And he was high and lifted up. And I want you to understand something. You may be going through something down here in this life that you are trying to work your way through. And circumstances may be bad. And the circumstances of life may even feel crushing. But I want you to know you've got a God that's not nervous about your situation. He is still high and lifted up and the power of his train still fills the temple. Can somebody say amen? Now kids, let me tell you what the train meant. It meant a long, long part of his robe. And it meant that that was like a cape. And the Bible says that not only was his train enough to sit on the throne but it was enough to fill the entire temple I want you to know that how a king got a train was he fought victory he's fought battles and for every battle that he would win a victory they would extend that train and so what the Bible was really telling you is that in troubling times there is a king of kings that is not troubled by the times and no matter who you got to fight against, no matter what the enemy is trying to throw against you, not, no matter what plan the devil has for you, God wins every single battle because his train is so long that it filled the whole building. He encountered a king. And this is where we as the people of God sometimes get cautious about going into the throne room. Is that when you encounter the king, it comes with conviction. You see his holiness and you recognize I'm not that holy. You see his perfection and you realize I'm not perfect. And it it moves upon your heart and it becomes uncomfortable for you to realize the difference between the one that sits on the throne and you. Now, in the adult world, we call this conviction. And most people don't like the feel of conviction because they misunderstand what the motivation for conviction really is. Conviction, God did not give you the gift of conviction so you could feel guilty and shameful in your present position. He was allowing you to feel uncomfortable with what you are at the present time so you could look to Him and allow Him to do a supernatural work in you that I want you to understand, the moment that He sees the King for who He is, conviction falls upon Isaiah and Isaiah falls to the ground and says, oh man, I'm about to die because I'm a man of unclean lips. I have bad language sometimes and I mess up sometimes. But the conviction in the presence of God is not for your guilt. It's for your correction. Because in the presence of God, now most of us feel shame about what we've done in our past. Anybody ever done something in their past they're not proud of? Say amen. So have I. And some people think what the devil really wants to convince people that are imperfect is that you're unqualified to get into the throne room. Because if you get into the throne room, God will see you for who you really are and he'll be angry at you. That's the furthest from the truth. Do you realize that this vision is not God, uh, not uh, Isaiah's idea? It's actually an invitation from God in his present condition. He said, Isaiah, I know the cure for where you are. It's not for you to run away from me or to be distant from me. I'm going to invite you into my throne room. And in my throne room, we can correct all the issues. He didn't wait for him to be perfected to get close to him. He allowed him to get close to him when he was in his imperfect state. 
And all of a sudden, he, he sees conviction move upon his heart. He sees the difference between the king and him. And he falls to the ground. And immediately the king has compassion. And he sends one of the angelic beings to the altar of God. Grabs a coal from the altar of God and puts it on his lips. And redeems his speech. This overwhelms Isaiah so much. He is so overwhelmed by the, by the mercy and compassion of the king that the king starts to talk to his court and he's starting to say, we have a, an assignment and we have uh, this, this mission ahead of what our plan is for the kingdoms of the earth. And he's, uh, the, angel, the king is talking to the court and he's saying, I, we need a man. And Isaiah, the same man that walked into the throne room confused and ended up in a position of conviction is over there going, I come in messed up. But now since the coal of the altar of God has touched me, I think I'm okay. Pick me, pick me. Send me. I'll be the one that will go. See, there's a mighty assignment for each and every one of us. And sometimes it feels overwhelming. And sometimes it feels like we can't really do what God's calling us to do. It seems impossible. But if you know the authority of the king, it doesn't matter. Because the moment that you take the first step to fulfilling the call that's upon your life, the first voice you'll hear is the enemy say, you can't do that. What makes you think you can do that? What makes you believe that you're the one that's supposed to do this? And you got to realize it's the same conviction that Isaiah dealt with. There's something wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong with him. Come on, somebody. Until you get to heaven, there's always going to be something you're dealing with. But he don't have that issue. He is perfect in all of his ways. Amen? Just take me to the king. By the time it's over, God had created a, a, a passion that would make an, a, a broken man a prophet. And if Amy will come and get ready to play me something, I want to tell you just for a moment one more story about this king. See, you may need to go to the throne room today. And you may have some issues going on. But in Mark chapter 10 is one of the other places that invokes the royalty of the king of kings. And it comes from a blind man. There he is, blind, side of the road. Here's rumblings about Jesus. He had heard the rumor that Jesus could potentially be the Messiah. And he decides to believe that he is. And so instead of him crying out, Rabbi, our prophet, he starts to call him by his royal name. See, the Bible gave year, thousands of years before the coming of Jesus told of prophecies about the Messiah. And one of those prophecies it would be that he would be from the lineage of the house of King David and that he would come from that household and he would restore order. And this blind man outside of Jericho sitting on the roadside hearing the rumblings of a crowd, never seeing them, just hearing them, starts to cry out. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And what he was saying is, I know the prophecies and I know who's coming and I believe that he's the king of all kings. I believe he is the chosen one. I believe he is the Messiah. And he starts to cry out, Son of David, you royal king, have mercy on me. And the first encounter that this blind man has is from other people telling him to be quiet. 
But if you ever get broken enough to trust that He really is the King of all kings, you won't let somebody else's opinion of you stop you. And they said, be quiet. And the Bible says, I love when the Bible starts talking my language. The Bible says, he just shouted the louder. <laughs> oh man, I can preach there all day. Because what he was really saying is, hey man, if I listen to you and take your advice, I'm going to end up like I started today, blind. But if you'll get out of my way and move over just a little bit, I'm quit listening to who you are because you've been around a long time and you never have been able to help me yet. But there's one coming down the road that if I could just get his attention and I could just get into his throne room, I believe things could change. And the Bible says that the king heard him and stopped and said, go get him. Here's where the faith comes in. Everything about this man was wrapped around the garment that he had on because it identified him as being blind and it was okay for him to beg. And the Bible says the, the king called to him and said, bring him to me. And the moment that a blind man stood up, he was already getting ready for his sight. He said, wait a minute, before I go to the king, I got to get dressed right. I got to take this thing that calls me blind and I've got to leave it behind me because I'm going to the one that I believe that once I get there, blindness is not going to be an issue for the king of all kings because if I can just take me to the throne, just take me to the king, and if I can get to that position, I won't need this coat anymore. I won't be begging tomorrow. So they're fixing to worship in just a moment. And God invites and uses imperfect people into his throne room. These encounters change everything. The same king a few years ago heard the prayers of these children. You know what changed Citygate? These kids. See, some of you don't know that. A few years ago, we all looked kind of the same. We really didn't have a lot of diversity. Our biggest diversity was who liked loud music and who liked soft music. That was our diversity. But I heard rumor one day, one Sunday, the Holy Spirit started moving through the campus and I started to hear a testimony that said, Pastor, you need to run upstairs because these kids are praying over every chair. They're laying their hands and anointing with oil the walls. They're praying over the windows. And you know what they're praying for? They are praying for the lost to come into City Gate and see the King. They're praying for people to get saved. And God heard that prayer. The problem is the people that started coming were not like us. Thank God. Can somebody say amen? You know, when David was singing a part of that song, he said, we need revival. From that prayer till today, we've been in revival. God has sent us the lost and almost every single Sunday, somebody in this place, whether it's back there in the activity center or right here in the sanctuary, gives their heart to Christ almost every week. We don't need revival to come. You're a part of revival. And it's because the kids decided one Sunday to pray. wonder what he's going to do today. The king is among us. The king's changed everything. And now they reflect his glory and we reflect his glory. 
I wrote it this way. Citygate is what we are because of people like you having an encounter with a king that changed everything about them and now they reflect his glory. Come have this encounter with the king today. Just close your eyes for a moment and let's worship. bow your heads and close your eyes with me today is there somebody here today that says you know what pastor I'm one of those people that were convinced by a lie that the king wouldn't want to see me not the way that I am but today you preached about a king that wanted to invite me into his throne room that could forgive all of my sins. Could do away with my yesterdays and give me a hope and a future of my tomorrows. There's nobody looking around, just me. Would you raise your hand and say, I wanna, I wanna meet that king today. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. How many of you are here today and say, you know, Pastor, I'd like to meet that king because I believe that if he could heal a blind man and change some identity issues in him, can, you know, take a blind man and make him a man of sight, I wonder what he could do with me. I've taken on the baggage of my yesterdays and I've made that my identity of who I am forever. But if this king could heal my soul and heal my heart and heal my mind, Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you just need to take a moment for, maybe there's discouragement like Isaiah and and there's troubling times in your world and you need to hear the voice of a king of kings that could set everything in order. Would you raise your hand? Is there some needs in this house that need a, a king to meet? Thank you. Now let me come over here. Every head up and every eye open. I think I know what the answer is. I want to ask the red team. Do you believe that Jesus is the king that can do everything that no matter what people raise their hand for, that he could be king? Can you say yes? How about this purple team? Do you think that the king of kings could do whatever the prayer request that was just their hand? Do you believe he could forgive somebody of their sins right now? Let me hear Say yes. How about this blue team? Do you believe that even if people raise their hand to get healed in their body, that even if they need a miracle, maybe they come in and and they didn't have a whole lot of hope, do you believe that Jesus could be hope? Can you say yes? Come on, gold team. Do you believe there's any miracle that Jesus cannot do? Or do you believe that if their hand raised up and they need a miracle that Jesus could do it? Can you say yes? Come on, city gate. Do you believe that there is a king above all kings that can answer every prayer and be the source of a strength of every hand that went up? Come on, let's pray right now. Father, no matter what it is, no matter what that hand went up for, whether they are asking for the forgiveness of sins, whether they are asking for a miracle, you have heard the childlike faith 
of the red group, the purple group, the blue group, and the gold group. You have heard the childlike faith of a church named Citygate. So we believe if they just get into your throne room, if they just have an encounter with the king, it is enough to last them a lifetime. We give you praise, honor, and glory for every answered prayer right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and say thank you to a king. Come on, open up your mouth and let's shout to the king. you leave Wednesday night's a big night for us and there's tickets available people have already asked do you need a ticket to get in the door you do not but there's tickets available at every uh, 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 most of our exits what we're giving you the ticket for is to give a family member that way if you put something in their hand they'll be reminded to be here Wednesday but can we pray one more time before we leave can, you, can we pray together that if there's people in our families or some of our friends that we work with that don't know the king the way we know him and we give them one of these tickets that they're going to come see a movie and by the time that the night's over with they will receive the king as their Lord and Savior. Will you do that with me? Kids, will you pray with me for people to get saved? Let's pray. Father, right now I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit inside the throne room of glory that father we're going to hand out some tickets this week to people that need to hear about the power of the gospel and i ask you to use a movie wednesday night to reveal your glory let the gospel be preached let the power of your presence draw men unto yourself let them walk into a throne room and meet a king we thank you for the healings that took place as we prayed just a moment ago. We thank you for the salvations. We thank you for the miracles. And we give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And one more time, everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.